super excited about this week's podcast. We're going to talk about the king of hormones, testosterone, and I've got one of the world's leading experts, Professor Chris McClellan, here to talk about it. Everything from depression, inflammation, infertility, muscle degradation, obesity, heart disease, insulin resistance, metabolic disorders, and more. Dr. Mack is here to tell you exactly where we are in the world of testosterone. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the home of fit, happy, healthy. And today we're touching testosterone. I've got the big dog in himself, Professor Chris McClellan, who has done some studies around hormones. You've been an expert in this area. Um, I've done a bit, as you know. Uh, yeah, my background in uh, hormones is more been around the measurement of those in athletic populations. Mm-hmm. So testosterone's been the big one. Uh, we've talked a lot in this podcast about cortisol, and uh, that was another one. And we've looked at a few others along the way. But in the in terms of looking for really good opportunities to to get some information out there on general health, I think testosterone is an important one. So we can we can dig into it a little bit and then talk about you know why it matters. And where do you want to start, mate? What, what should we talk about first um, when we're well, I think, addressing this big topic? Yeah, no, it's big. I think the main thing, I'll, I'll talk about just a bit, a little bit of the background because I think people gloss over it a little bit and then there are some misconceptions around testosterone and then we can we can dig into a little bit around why it matters from a men's health perspective, but also for women. So this is, this is definitely training-wise, some of the tips around training that can improve testosterone. And the big three, Asleep, training, and nutrition. So right. we'll get to those in due course. But as by way of overview, I think you know the technical name. You know me, man. I like to get sort Let's of get into some of that. Mate, if you so we're talking about a, hang up now. Well, this is on. it. So be, a seventeen beta hydroxy uh, four androstenone. Can you say that again? Can you say that so one it's again? Seventeen beta hydroxy four androstenone three one is the the technical name for testosterone. Now it's a steroid hormone, right? So yep. people immediately think steroid. That's some sort of mythical substance that's going to turn. Into the Incredible Hulk and some uh, roid raging uh, crazy person. The, yep. heart, the the reality is that that's not the case. It's a okay. really important hormone for men and women for normal uh, reproductive function, but just general health. It comes from cholesterol fundamentally, like a lot of well, like steroid hormones do, and it's produced by way of or it's stimulated by way of what's called the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis. Where's that sit? Well, it's from your hypothalamus to your pituitary to your gonads or, or to the ovaries in in females, and there's a series of hormones that, that ultimately lead to uh, testosterone production within Leydig cells, they're called Leydig cells within the testes and theca within within the ovaries. So the small amounts are also, so the immediate comment is, well, women don't have testicles, therefore mm-hmm. they don't have Leydig cells, which is absolutely true. And that's one of the, well, we do get it from ovaries and also within the adrenal cortex. So it's, it's a little area called the zona reticularis, which is part of the adrenal cortex. And that's the, the area from which females will get their testosterone. And one of the reasons with exercise responses to testosterone because we know that in men testosterone can be boosted by how you train right and we'll, we'll talk about that basically you've got to train heavy really simply we don't get the same what we call acute responses so an acute response would be let's go and do a workout and measure testosterone straight after the workout mm-hmm. in men we can see quite remarkable improvements based okay. on what we do women don't get that don't, don't quite get those immediate responses but they can get some adaptation over time so uh, because they're going to rely much more on the ovaries and much more on the adrenal cortex for the improvements in testosterone 
testosterone from a systemic perspective. So it's what's called a primary androgenic anabolic hormone. And in the muscle, it will stimulate protein synthesis, which yep. we call an anabolic effect. And it will inhibit protein degradation, which is anti-catabolic. So people are always worried about you know breaking down muscle and that sort of thing. So it works on both sides of that. The te- testosterone is anhydrous. So it has to have a carrier that gets it around the body. Most of the testosterone, about 60% is bound to what's called sex hormone binding globulin, which is a, effectively just a, a carrier that helps it travel around the body. And about 38% bound to albumin and then you have two percent that is freely circulating and it's the two percent which is the free testosterone we talk about total testosterone and free testosterone they both matter but the free testosterone which is only about two percent of all testosterone is what's called bioactive so that's the that's the one that's going to bring us the the results yep it's mediated by a hormone called a gonadotropin releasing hormone and and luteinizing hormone so fundamentally what happens is the hypothalamus has these little neurons in, in in the brain effectively in the central nervous system and they will secrete gonadotropin releasing hormone. The gonadotropin releasing hormone will stimulate the hypothalamus to release two gonadotropins, which is follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. The luteinizing hormone goes and stimulates the Leydig cells to produce testosterone. And the follicle stimulating hormone in men will uh, stimulate what are called Sertoli cells within testicles, and that's spermatogenesis and the production of, of sperm. So there's there's sort of two pathways to this, and it's they, they're intertwined. Testosterone is then broken down a couple of pathways aromatase is an enzyme that converts testosterone to estradiol and so in the bodybuilding community we talk about anti-estrogen type of substance like arimidex and these anti-aromatase inhibitors are pretty pretty popular that's what they're trying to do they're trying to limit that process that doesn't lend itself to a more effective testosterone dose but it's more inclined to reduce the side effects like the gynecomastia and things like that the other the other pathway is via an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase that converts testosterone to a really active form of testosterone called dihydrotestosterone, DHT. DHT has been associated with more probably the nasty side effects, prostate cancer and things like that. But we, we can sort of get through that as we go in terms of, I suppose, the, the, the general health considerations. Within DHT, DHT gets a bad rap. There's actually two different forms of DHT. There's an alpha and a beta. And you need DHT. You can't not have it. And so there is, I think it's the alpha form, might be the, I can't remember off the top of my head, but is, is actually protective of prostate and things like that. So mm-hmm. you've got to have it and so it's an important consideration and then in terms of i suppose the female situation so what happens with females it's the same process it's the same hypothalamus gonadotropin releasing hormone anterior pituitary releases luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone makes its way to the ovaries and then we get a release of estrogen and progesterone okay and that then stimulates the menstrual cycle and reproductive function and things like that so they're both intertwined and that's why it matters for for men and, and women in terms of you know the importance of that of that whole axis the hpg axis and in terms of how that, and it's pretty involved, man, in terms of how it gets produced from cholesterol, there's actually, it's pretty cool. I don't know if you want me to go through let's it. Let's go, let's hit so it. So the biosynthesis is- I'm going to spend a lot of time on Google later, just so yeah, everyone well, knows. It's but, called oxidative cleavage yeah. of one of the side chains of cholesterol. And that happens from a, a mitochondrial cytochrome enzyme called P450, which is an oxidase. And then that's the initial phase. So that then modifies the, the cholesterol molecule. There's then a second process, a step two in the process that is an enzyme it's called a 17 alpha reductase or a 1720 lysase and that will then that happens within the endoplasmic reticulum most of the action this the modification of the cholesterol happens within the mitochondria it's like a lot of things we talk about everything comes back to the mitochondria and so that's why i guess in terms of mitochondrial efficiency and mitochondrial biogenesis and all these really popular terms at the moment mitochondria matter for for function and particularly with testosterone function
function as well. Once we've cleaved the, the cholesterol molecule within the mitochondria and the endoplasmic reticulum, so it's still inside the cell, there's another a substance called a 3-beta hydroxyl group that then oxidizes what's called a 3-beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase, and that produces testosterone. So you remember the Man, it was years ago we had pro-hormones. Yeah. Androstenedione and androstenediol. Good old baseball days. Yeah, yeah. So those substances are sort of downstream effects from the cholesterol and they're this rate-limiting step. So this is the, that's the last step that we see before we get the testosterone itself. So the androstenediol is converted into the testosterone. That gets reduced via 5-alpha reductase to dihydrotestosterone or aromatase converts it to estradiol. And then ultimately, you know, estrogen fundamentally. Yeah. And that's what we want to try and avoid as a, from a side effect, I suppose. And some people will, you know, experience higher levels of estrogen, men and women. And that's a, that's pretty much a, a sort of a, a biological genetic kind of condition, more so than anything. So the effects... Come. So that's a gift from your mum and dad? That's a gift from mum and dad. There's yeah. a few of those floating around, yeah. right? So the testosterone itself, a couple of effects, we call them, call them androgenic yep. and anabolic. So the anabolic, most people are familiar with, that's the muscle mass development, strength development, increased bone density, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas mm -hmm. the androgenic effects are more a maturation of sex organs, secondary sex characteristics, things like that. And that's where I suppose the female audience go, oh yeah, no, I don't want any of those side effects of maybe testosterone use or supplementation because TRT or testosterone replacement therapy is a bona fide treatment strategy for men who are hypogonadal, hypo-low gonad function, yep. testicle function. So there's there's two streams to this in terms of how they bring about adaptations. So what we're probably most interested in from a health and fitness perspective is the protein synthesis and, and reducing the amount of degradation of muscle mass. And so that's why trying to maintain healthy levels of normal testosterone is, is a really big deal. Testosterone binds like all steroids with a receptor called an androgen receptor and it's a lock and key mechanism we've talked about this before the androgen receptor is, is really interesting and I get into a conversation in the health and fitness industry bodybuilding and sports like this and if we're going to be really transparent with things there, there's a there are people who might take performance enhancing substances and we're not endorsing anything right one of the things we see with people there is a misconception that more is better right so the more testosterone I take the bigger I'm going to get you know more massive and they see pictures of Arnold and you know massive bodybuilders on TV and they go, oh, I'm just going to take a heap of drugs and I'm going to look like that. The cold, harsh reality of life is not that's true. not how it works, mate. Okay. No, so your, your bodybuilders are born, not made. And they have- they, and it They're born. Born. You're born to be a bodybuilder or not. And it has to do with with effectively your androgen receptive hyper, well, receptor side affinity. It's it's how receptive are my receptors to a hormone. So how do I, if I'm thinking about going down the- Well, you're not going to know. So you can't, can't no. test for it? No, no, no. The, the, the test for it is- um, Can't test for the test? No, you can't test for what the the specific nucleotide arrangement is of your receptor because there is a there's a little bit of research around some of the polysynaptic morphisms or genetic traits around the receptor site that makes it more hyper or hypo responsive to a product so this is the thing with the very elite bodybuilders of the world they don't need to take tons and tons of drugs they because they're hyper responsive because they're born bodybuilders yeah and, and that's they, they get really good test um, really good results from it the, the test is called carrier typing you're not going to be able to do that commercially Mm -hmm. You can't get that done. The other one is we get with the anti-catabolic effect. Everyone talks about cortisol as being a catabolic substance and everyone's pretty conscious of yep. trying to keep cortisol levels low. One of the things with testosterone is that because it's anti-catabolic, -anti it actually play a role in the inhibition or the reduction of cortisol signaling by blocking glucocorticoid receptors. So I don't know if you remember 
when do, we did yeah. our cortisol podcast, cortisol is a glucocorticoid that binds with these receptors. Testosterone plays a role in blocking that. Okay. So having healthy, normal levels of testosterone plays a big role from an anti-catabolic effect on the effects of cortisol on stress and you know all parts of life. So how do I know if I've got a healthy level? You can have a blood test. Yep. Yeah. So any GP can do that. And you want to know what your total testosterone is, yep. the free testosterone, which is the, the bioactive form. That's your 2% you're talking about? Yeah. And But what's probably more important is the ratio of those hormones. Okay. So with hormones, it's not always about an absolute value. So for example, you might have someone who's got really high total testosterone. So normal testosterone in a, in a male, say between 20 and 35, might be somewhere between 300 and 600 nanograms per deciliter. Yep. Ballpark, right? You'll have high and low of that. But you might have someone who's on the really high end of that, but they still have poor libido, you know, lethargy, you know, bad appetite. Well, sorry, not bad appetite, but poor appetite, things like that. A lot of the signs of low testosterone because they've got really, really low free testosterone. The other flip side of that is you could be on the lower side of normal, say 300, 350, but you've got really high free testosterone comparatively. You might be, you know, your percentage might be a little bit higher. So you're going to not have, although you're on the healthy, the lower side of normal, you won't feel, you know, any of the negative effects that might be associated with low testosterone. So okay. it's pretty complicated and, and that's where we need, you know, finding the right medico to assist you work that out is is a bit of a process. Not all GPs will be that keen to talk testosterone with you. Yeah, okay. And so that's where uh, I, I genuinely think any every male over 35 or even 40 should have their testosterone assessed from a men's health perspective. So I've just turned 50. Yeah, no, you're in trouble. Yeah, no, so I'm probably not. You're 50, but you look 35, <coughs> right? Yeah, thanks, mate. That's yeah, great. So that's what should I be going to the doctor and asking? You want to check your test. Yep. You want to see what your total testosterone is, free testosterone, sex hormone, binding globulin, progesterone, all those sorts of hormones so that you can get a, a really good understanding of what your, your anabolic, catabolic profile is. And if it's low, you want to know because there's a really high, or a great deal of evidence around risk factors, comorbidities like insulin resistance, metabolic diseases, cardiovascular disease. The incident rates are unequivocal, mate. There's dead set an enormous amount of information that slam dunks not only causation, but correlation with a lot of those types of conditions. So it's it's almost like a silent epidemic okay. in that men don't know because you're not going to go and test your testosterone. Most blokes wouldn't have a clue, right? Mm-hmm. And they might think, well, I'm just I'm just tired. I'm stressed. I'm probably having a few too many beers on the weekend and my diet's not great, so I feel crappy. You're not supposed to feel crappy. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, and, well, and when you say feeling crappy, what do you mean? Oh, I mean low energy. You know, just low unmotivated. Libido. Yeah, unmotivated. Those sorts of things. Low yeah. libido is a big one with low. Tests. Massive one. Yeah. Low libido. Yeah. Or erectile dysfunction. Yep. Obesity. Huge correlations between particularly central obesity and visceral fat, fat around the organs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So hypogonadism is is with the low testosterone function from low testicular function. So it's a it's a really big deal. So men. So you're fifty, right? Yep. So from a general health perspective, we know that men over 35 will see a decline annually of about 1% to 3%. 1% to 3 annually? 1% to 3 annually, yeah, from about 35. So it starts pretty early. About 1.6% of that will be total testosterone, but more disconcerting is about 3% will be free. So 3% of your 2% wow. drops every year. So it doesn't take a whole lot of time for a, a, a clinical condition called andropause. So in, in women, we might call it 
menopause. In men, it's called andropause. And it's the same with females. Once a woman, a woman will also experience the same levels of decline, roughly. They've already got less. So men will have about 10 times the circulating testosterone as a female, right? That's by nature of Leydig cells and all that sort of thing. So they're going to lose it at the same rate as a man, over 35, right? And it's the same thing. They experience the same side effects, low libido, all this sort of stuff, right? So, but once a female has experienced menopause, it's a dramatic drop. It's like 60% within five years. Wow. Huge, huge drop. And so it's something that we want to be conscious of and we can test it, which is really good. So the the hypogonadism has, there's three different types. There's a primary type, which is testicular, testicular dysfunction, which is a lack of the testes to respond to the luteinizing hormone and the follicle stimulating hormone. Okay. So it doesn't respond to those, uh, what are called uh, gonadotropins. The secondary form is that it's happening further up the food chain. So it's a pituitary or a hypothalamic problem. So there's insufficient production of luteinizing hormone hormone or follicle stimulating hormone or you can have a combo of both so again we need to know what that is and that's that's a, a, a test you know it's a blood test and we need to see what, what's going on there and what are the side effects of that like how do you know if that's happening like if i'm sitting at home going gee this just happened i should go and see the doctor like oh well the big ones are change in sexual function reduced libido in men fewer testosterone is you know we talked about diurnal patterning and so forth yep. so the natural pattern of testosterone is that it's elevated first thing in the morning mm-hmm. so men should wake up with an erection it's a normal response if you're not doing that you should i'm not asking you directly (laughs) but if that's not happening you're supposed to wake up with one so if you're not you might want to check impotence erectile dysfunction and infertility they're the big ones and then the the other signs of low testosterone are things like you know it can be quite subtle it might be a a lack of motivation it might be i'm starting to lose some muscle bulk i'm starting to lose some strength i'm still training you know in the gym the same but i'm now 45 46 50 and my strength's dropping off that's going to happen anyway Right. We do know that we get some changes in muscle mass and you know collagen structure. And there is an aging process that does occur. Certainly, it's not reasonable to think you're going to lift the same weights at 60 that you do at 20 because your joints will just give you a hard time probably. But these are the sorts of things that you want to be conscious of. Because if you're training, you shouldn't be going backwards. Okay. Right? Decreases in bone mineral density. If you're having that measured, you need to know. Depression, mm-hmm. massive mental health issues, fatigue, general lethargy, can't get out of my own way, not motivated, don't want to get off the couch. And so then dietary implications come in with that, that that don't help. So they're the they're the big ones. So if anyone's listening and they're experiencing men or women experiencing any of those sort of things, then you know, I'm not saying that you've got, you know, low testosterone necessarily or that's not going to hurt to go see the doctor. But you know what? If you're in your 40s and your 50s and you're experiencing this, I think people just think that I feel crappy because I'm getting old. Yeah. You don't have to feel crappy. No, exactly. You know, it's not part of that's not part of the deal. Anyway, what we know and and just in from a health perspective with men's health because I think men's health tends to fly under the radar a little bit. You know, men don't necessarily go to the doctor yep. uh, unless they've got a pretty decent problem. And even then, but I'll tell you what, if men have got sexual dysfunction, they're going to go to the doctor, Yeah, I would suggest, right? It can affect every other organ in their body, but if it, it affects your penis, you're probably going to go and get something done about it. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, so men develop things like coronary artery disease at a higher rate than women, right? We know that, I'm not talking testosterone here, I'm just yep. saying generally, men will have premature coronary events and major events, I'm talking heart attacks here, at, an, at, a, at a greater rate than the female population, age matched, particularly over 40. So it's about double. So it's significant. Double, wow. Yeah. It's about twofold. What we know is that t- total testosterone and free testosterone in men will decrease.
increase with age, right? We've already sort of covered that. At the same time that we're seeing this prevalence in increased myocardial issues. So it's not a huge leap of faith to say, well, hang on a minute. If I'm getting more high, more risk factors associated with metabolic diseases, comorbidities. So comorbidities, I mean things that might lead to events like obesity might lead to increased risk of cardiovascular disease, things like that. And testosterone will have a, a role and an effect on all of those. And, and, it's a, and it's a really big deal. So when you have situations like obesity, obesity is massive, mate, for testosterone as well. Reduced insulin sensitivity, impaired glucose tolerance, diabetes is massive. Type 2 diabetes mellitus is, is a big, big issue. Elevated um, triglycerides, high density lipoproteins, all the nasties that we talk about all yeah, the time. You're not painting a good picture there. No, no. But it's not all that bleak, mate. You just got to get tested because you know what? There's a treatment for it. Okay. It's called therapy. It's called testosterone replacement therapy. And I think this is where I'm not talking about super physiological doses of testosterone that are going to make you a bodybuilder. I'm talking about an intervention that can bring you back to even low normal. And as we've already said, there's physiological effects, mental health issues, and the treatment's available. So I think it's just an awareness. Men just aren't aware that, A, it's a problem. Or should I even test for it? And and can I test for it? And then, well, can I do anything about it? Now, the reality is that not every GP on every medical center corner is going to want to prescribe this. And whatever the reasons for that is probably, you know, for another time. But there are doctors out there who will assist you with that. And my advice is shop around. Find, you know, find a reputable medical practitioner who is prepared to provide the treatment that you need because it's, it'll save your life. Mate, is yep. fundamentally what we know. So you're 50, right? So we know that about 20% of men over 60 will have testosterone deficiency, right? We know that 30% of men over 70 and 50% of men over 80 will have a problem. Overall, over men over 45 years of age, about 38% across the board will have to, uh, testosterone deficiency. It's huge, mate. One in three. Yeah, that's you know? huge. And if you take it down further into men who are obese, it's one in it's 50%. Men who have established metabolic disease and metabolic syndrome, diabetes, 40%. They've all got it right? And most of them don't even know it because they haven't even tested for it. So the issue is the comorbidities. It's the obesity, it's the diabetes, it's hypertension, hyperlipidemia, prostate problems or prostate disease, even things like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, any of these sorts of things are associated with it. Obesity is a big one though, because obesity is directly associated with lower total testosterone and lower free testosterone. Why is that? Well, it's interesting actually, because there's a couple of theories around how that works. One is this hypo, it's called the hypogonadal obesity cycle. So some researchers back in 1999, it's Cohen's theory. It's a good paper, actually. Uh, I'll put it up on, yeah, on our Put the our link at the bottom. But, so testosterone gets converted to estradiol. Remember mm-hmm. we talked about yep. via aromatase? So aromatase is the highest level. That happens in, adif- in fat tissue. That okay. conversion happens in the fat, right? So the more fat you've got, the higher adipocyte expression you've got, the more aromatase you've got, the more of that enzyme you've got. So the more circulating aromatase you've got to convert testosterone to estradiol. So there's more of it, really yeah. fundamentally. So that will reduce your circulating testosterone level because more of it's going to get converted to estradiol. So that promotes a situation where you have a drop in total and free testosterone because you've got more fat cells. Gradually, overall, your profile of, of testosterone will reduce. The way by which the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis works is that negative feedback loop, right? So by producing testosterone, it switches itself back off and that's the process. So when you have them, when that's our negative feedback loop, the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, because of the aromatization that's occurring, it doesn't have that off switch. So you'll get more and more estradiol called E2 that gets produced. So you get more aromatase activity, increased fat cells, 
off the back of that in obese men, more suppression of gonadotropin releasing hormone or the whole luteinizing hormone, less stimulant. And so you get progressive hypogonadism. So being fat, A, or having obesity, lends itself to more obesity and less testosterone. Yeah, it's a tough gig. So it's a tough gig. And then the other one to that, it's a bit more technical, but it has to do with what's called adipo uh, cytokines. So cytokines are inflammatory mediators. So like interleukins and tumor necrosis necrosis factor, alpha and things like that. But basically the way that one works is uh, estradiol is, well, when you link estradiol with adipocytokines, like what's called tumor necrosis, factor alpha, TNF alpha. And some of the listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about here. I'm glad they do. Yeah, they know they will. And interleukin. So interleukin 6, for anyone listening, will know what I'm talking about. Both of those adipocytokines, they're inflammatory mediators, right? They inhibit the whole hypothalamic production of gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Those just alone, by having a greater presence of inflammatory mediators because of estradiol, you're going to switch switch the gonadotropin-releasing hormone off. It's a lot of words. So that reduces the release of luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone you know, it's really it's pretty technical podcast but some people no, mate, are interested, it's good. Man. it is but yeah what happens then is leptin becomes a player right mm-hmm. we know leptin comes from fat cells yeah yep. so it's all you know how i always say nothing happens in isolation with absolutely fat yep. so leptin is from from fat cells right leptin also increases or induces <clears throat> luteinizing hormone release under normal conditions right and it does that because it stimulates the hypothalamic gonadotropin releasing hormone neurons in the hypothalamus mm-hmm. there's another mouthful for you what happens is that the gonadotropin gonadotropin releasing hormone neurons in the hypothalamus exhibit they'll have a, they have little receptors or not not many receptors for leptin okay we have these little things called kispeptins k-i-s-s peptins kispeptins are peptides that are secreted by the hypothalamus again and they're a, they're a link they're like a functional link between leptin and the release of yeah I know I've lost you <laughs> gonadotropin <laughs> regulation they play a role in gonadotropin releasing hormone secretion yep. and luteinizing hormone I know I lost for anyone I lost, I'm sorry, but some people might find it pretty interesting. Anyway, I think a lot peptins, of people will make. Can we put something up there? Is yeah, there... yeah, I'll put a paper up. Kiss peptins yeah. are, are important regulators. Anyway, estrogen receptors. I was actually laughing because I didn't think you were breathing, and I thought you were going to pass out when well, you were saying that. It's, so it's yeah. a lot there. Estrogen yeah. receptors sit on kiss peptin neurons. Yeah. It's complicated, man. They will play a role ultimately in a reduction in the stimulation of Leydig cells, which are the endpoint for testosterone production. So it's a it's a pretty big deal. So inflammation's a big deal, right? Total testosterone, free testosterone, inverse relationship between insulin levels, glucose levels, triglycerides. You you are you become this inflamed, systemically inflamed, right? It's a it's not where you want to be. I've got a question. Can yes. I throw yeah. one at you? Sure. So say I'm a, a forty plus male. Drink of Red Bull. <laughs> good friends. I'm a forty plus male, fifty year old male. I've just lost 15, 20 kilos on a little fitness and diet. You just lost what? I'm just lost 10, 15 kilos, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, I've had a crack and you know, might have joined F forty five, started moving, whatever it is yep. that uh, got me going, eating properly there's yes. such a word to use uh better habits so yes. am i suddenly going to have more testosterone because i've lost some weight yeah yeah okay. well high likelihood yeah so mm-hmm. you'll reduce your comorbidities so if you reduce the number of fat cells you'll reduce all of those things we we're just talking about in terms of the uh, aromatase levels so your likelihood of having a better profile is vastly improved absolutely oh. whether or not that increases your testosterone i can't sort of say exactly yeah but it reduces your risk factors for having so it is one of the strategies for oh big time yeah. losing weight's huge man mm-hmm. if you can lose weight and get your lifestyle going on sleep i said is massive but you can reduce anything it'll reduce insulin resistance because we know that there's direct correlations or inverse correlations between testosterone in in, in insulin resistance now in that situation we know that about 70 percent of the body's insulin sensitivity happens within muscle so if you can maintain good levels of muscle mass that's why muscle is important man 
yeah. to, to keep muscle. This is why I'm a massive fan of resistance training rather than you know lots and lots of endurance training in as you age because you're always. And just be- you just want to define what you mean by resistance and endurance. Like, oh, so endurance training, I mean running, running, marathon running, long cycling, anything that is you know, really aerobic, aerobic metabolism for a long period of time. Resistance training, I'm talking about anaerobic exercise yeah. and also exercise that loads joints, bones and muscle okay. to maintain the, the integrity of those. But anyway, there's there's good, anyway, I can go through it really quickly. Things like blood pressure, things like lipid profile, even vascular stiffness in terms of cardiovascular disease risk factors. All of these things have direct correlation rates with testosterone levels. So it's, it's a really important one. Sarcopenia, so the loss of muscle mass as we age, direct correlations with lower testosterone. So you lose muscle. You lose muscle in older populations, they fall over. Mm-hmm. They fall over, they fracture their hip, they yeah. have a hip replacement. Game it's over. a really vicious cycle. Yeah. So what do you do about it, I suppose? It's probably, you know, Can we what, start with diet? You yeah, yeah. So diet, types of diet. so diet's cool, right? So And you were saying earlier, like, stay away from the licorice. Yeah, man. What is that? So licorice. I love licorice. It, I'm, I'm 50 though, I may not ever eat it again. So now. licorice, <laughs> what's the technical name of licorice? It's a root, right? It's a, it's a, it's a plant. You remember, do you know what it's called? Nah. I'm trying to think, it's got a crazy name it's like glyke gly, glycyrrhiza or something it's a plant it's the root of a don't plant don't they say if you can't pronounce it don't eat it I oh, know right well that's probably well, true here there'll be a lot of things <laughs> anyway the, there's some literature that tells us that licorice will absolutely drop your testosterone someone actually did a licorice testosterone study it's a herb and I'm not a herbalist yeah. don't claim to be but definitely there's there's a ton of it actually so if you get onto PubMed and you google licorice and low testosterone there's probably 50 studies on it stop it true story the one I like is cocoa powder you know raw cocoa so one of the things with testosterone right is you're saying you should drink yeah more cocoa yeah it's got it's full of theobromine theobromine is is great because it activates dopamine receptors what happens if you have high dopamine receptors you get rid of your sugar cravings so so hit the dark chocolate and the uh yes rip in rip, rip in. in are you sure about that I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure about it so the only thing if you have dark chocolate if you have yeah. cocoa at night in water don't drink it with milk just hot water cocoa yeah a couple of little teaspoons so there'll be about 10 that would grams. taste like shit hey eat for function not taste man okay yeah isn't that we're test boosting today let's test boost yep we're boosting tests yeah, exactly yep so you have about 10 grams of carbs in might there. be why chocolate protein now sells all other flavors oh, like three to one it's probably it <laughs> not licorice but the other big ones are the usual suspects zinc lots of research around zinc magnesium mm. vitamin d cretin monohydrate really good from a, a testosterone perspective the other ones that are probably some evidence but not as much evidence around things like deaspartic acid DHEA which isn't yep. available over the counter anyway yeah it's a no-no here yeah it's a no-no in most of the places in the world really yep. and then over the counter in states no you can get yeah. over the counter and and then I guess for clinical presentations if you're over 40 most well general practitioners can prescribe testosterone therapy and and that might only be sort of 200 milligrams every like a testosterone enanthate or something like that a long-acting testosterone ester every two weeks so it's not a huge and that's not going to turn you into anything trust me that they're the probably the big ones the other ones that may not make your listeners super happy would be the conversation around vegan diets and plant-based diets and testosterone. You mean all those phytochemicals aren't helping me? Well, there are some that are really good for you, for sure. But it's, you know, the thing with a lot of the phyto or xenoestrogens and things like that, xenobiotics and things like that, we're all conscious of plastics and all that sort of stuff, right? The soy situation is interesting because soy's in everything, right? Mm -hmm. The thing, my read on soy, and correct me if, the thing with soy is the isoflavoids in soy 
So there's two main ones, right? You probably know more about this than I do. There's genestine and then there's diadazine or something like that. They're two isoflavones. It's not them as much as how the microbiota in your gut metabolize those. And that's a really individual thing around gut absorption and that sort of thing. Because I'm not saying that that's going to give you a low test, but there are certain bacteria in the gut, and don't ask me to name them, but they convert those isoflavoids to a thing called equal, which is an EQUOL. And now that actually breaks uh, the carbon bonds within like the testosterones and the estrogen and that sort of thing. It actually leads to them, the gut reabsorbing them a lot more, which is not what you want. So there's a few things with that. In terms of the plant-based diet, it's well reported that lower testosterone, total testosterone and low, lower free testosterone with plant-based diets. And is that why the carnival revolution that's happening at the moment is oh, talking I don't about? Why. That's, I don't think that's what started it. Because I think that's just people don't want to eat vegetables. Yeah. Is that what you think that is? That's what you are. You just don't want to eat vegetables. I don't mind a carnival uh, diet myself. Yeah. I saw the meat Bit patty and eggs you had for lunch mm. and you're heavily into the carnival. I think that that's probably more around a leucine intake as at a guess, you know, around branch chain availability. Because your plant diet's typically Typically going to be fairly low in that, yeah. typically, because the leucine's associated with mTOR, protein synthesis, you know, there's a, there's a few things there. So maintaining muscle mass. We may be bringing is, out a vegan-friendly BCAA yeah, well, formula be, in the next couple of weeks, guys. I think that'd be a really good product for, for that population, mm. for sure. Um, for all populations, Mac, not just vegans? No, for everyone, Greg. Absolutely. Quality product. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Sugar intake's another one. So in what su- way? Well, sugar, sugar? In, in, um, stimulates insulin, right? Yep. So this is the whole, If it, this is where if it fits your macros, falls on its proverbial. It's not a caloric thing. You know, then we get into a conversation around ghrelin and leptin. We've already talked about yep. leptin. It matters, right? Glucagon, all these sorts of things. So you think about it, right? If you're, there's a lot of people who have their macros on point, they're not losing any weight. Similarly, there's people who are meeting their macros and getting fat as fools, Yeah. right? You can't live on, you know, chocolate frogs and ice cream. I don't care what the, if it fits your macros. People, I know that's an oversimplification of it, but it's not that simple. So high sugar, high insulin, high aromatase converts to estrogen. Simple as that. So you got to drop your simple carbs. You've got to keep your complex carbs. So you can't just hit your macros. You're going to be miles off. Okay. That would be my comment. The other thing, I think yeah, um, nutrition-wise, I think that's probably where you need to be. The other big one's sleep. You've got to track. I, I think most people should keep an eye on their sleep, whether they use a Fitbit or you know some other device. We do know that if you're getting less than five hours of sleep, a night you'll have low testosterone that's pretty well established any particular type of sleep or just sleep REM good sleep REM sleep we know that REM sleep increases those nocturnal levels of testosterone so it'll help you wake up a suitable manner there's some research around the rejuvenation of the hypothalamic gonad pituitary gonadal axis they're telling us about eight hours sleep is where you need to be I'm not getting that and I don't know about you but eight hours is a ton of sleep mm. I would have thought and the other big one is training and how you train because this is the piece that everyone can adapt so you said morning training before you you afternoon train don't you i am yeah. Getting later and later, actually. I prefer to evening train, but it's too busy, man. What's important? Important things are muscle mass and intensity and volume. They're the, they're the really big ones, and they lend themselves into the exercise selection and the rest periods and stuff like that. Take-home message, large, multi-joint, multi-muscle movements. Bicep curls and calf raises will not elevate your testosterone. I'm very sorry. Squats, deadlifts, those kind of compound lifts, that's where you need to be. In terms of there is definitely a volume and intensity threshold for testosterone response. So at the very start of this thing that men can get quite pronounced increases in testosterone acutely I mean immediately after the workout women don't get that so much but they can have an, what's called a, a spillover effect on their adrenals so I mentioned at the very start women get some of their testosterone from their ovaries and the rest comes from their adrenals cortisol you get a, an exercise gets an increased adrenal response will get an increase in a spillover effect and have an increase in testosterone 
So women can benefit from that as well. High intensity, low volume is not as effective as more of a moderate intensity, high volume. So what I'm saying is, girls, I hate to tell you this, but when you're doing your 1RM squats and putting them on Facebook or social media, Instagram, that is a complete waste of time on so many levels, it's not even funny. One, you're not going to get any muscle mass development from it. It's a That's a neurophysiological adaptation to strength training. So that's rate coding, twitch summation, excitation contraction, coupling off the back of that. If you want to grow, you need cross-sectional area adaptation. You need muscle hypertrophy. Every every paper ever, ever written on muscle mass development will tell you that you need to go above 6, 8 RM, right? So don't go. And then from a hormone response, from a testosterone response, and I can put some studies up, but 20 sets of 1 RM will not change your testosterone one bit. 10 sets of 10, the old German volume stuff, yep. it's been around forever. Massive increases, 15 millimole increases in lactate. The really cool thing that we know about lactate and lactic acid, lactic acid will directly stimulate Leydig cells in men okay. and stimulate your test. So you want workouts that increase lactate and lactic acid, right? So what does that look like? That looks like my really high intensity anaerobic work, my my hit sessions, my circuits, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Or bodybuilding with yeah. like a 60 second rest, high volume. So one RMs is a waste of time. I say this to people, well, I, anyway, I'm talking to the converted. But anyway, and it's independent of strength levels. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Okay. Right? So as long as it's your level, yep. that's all that matters. You don't have to lift a ton. And it's the same. So with women, we do get variable results. They don't have leg dig cells, obviously. They do have an adrenal spillover. I've mentioned that. We've got to think about a thing called adrenocorticotropin hormone. Remember that from the HPA axis? You know, you're nodding, but ACTH stimulates cortisol. It also causes an increase in testosterone from the adrenal cortex. ACTH increases with heavy resistance training. So that's going to lead to an, a greater adrenal testosterone response in women so women can still get the results so heavy heavy weights or moderately heavy not one to three rms with really long rest periods not not in your favor for if you want to get strong that's how you train if you're a strength athlete and you need to do one rms then you should do them for sure but otherwise you don't need them so that that's probably a take homes i mean that's a whole lot of talk from dr mac you know there's a whole lot of flow on effects there with you know how we can I suppose, boost it. The three take-home messages are sleep. If we can get our sleep right, get our nutrition right, and train. And, and they're the three big ones. And if you can get that sorted, you're, in, you're on the money. Any advice on how many times a week we need to be training for oh, I think test boosting? Like You can do it every day. Every day? So within, it's only acute, right? So it's only going to be within a couple of hours. So it only lasts a couple of hours. So you're not going to get, like, let's say you get a-, a So why would we care about that? Well, we could, from a, a recovery perspective and a, and a protein synthesis, synthesis perspective. Yep. Okay. And an anti-catabolic effect. So you want protein synthesis so anything that leads to protein synthesis is a good thing a for good us. thing yeah yeah and that's why you want it nice that's where we're at mate um i know it's not your lane but a lot of people are taking test boosters what do you think man i'm you know i'm a fan right yeah yeah you know, some of the and i say just not a herbalist not a herbalist, not herbalist. The usual thing tribulus yeah. man i take it every yeah. day i think the products like triandrobol body science and you know I've, I've been taking it for 20 years i actually think that it's and, you know, we can punch holes in the research all we like. And one of the things you'll find with research is that there'll be some supportive evidence and others that don't show that. Yep. One of the keys, and I say this all the time with research, you've got to learn how to read a paper because it's the methodology that matters. Yep. It's how they do the study. So in terms of how do I know, why do I take it? Because, you know, I measure my own testosterone, right? Mm-hmm. I do it with saliva. The way that the modern world in terms of, and I'm not talking about diagnosing here, I'm talking about monitoring. I've been working with salivary testosterone, cortisol, alpha amylase, 
is immunoglobulin A since 2008. Yep. Right. So this is not new tech. And this is what I do with people I help prep for comps. And I've been doing it with elite athletes for over a decade. Right. That's, what I just, that's my PhD. We can look at free testosterone levels in saliva on the spot. It takes me 12 minutes. Right. So I can do a workout or I can take a product and I test. Like I'll, I'll like, let's say I'm going to test a product, a test booster, and I want to know if it's going to work for me. Take the product, allow for sufficient time for half life and digestion, and do a saliva test. Yeah. Okay. And if I see an increase in free testosterone, I know Damn it works on. for me. Yeah. That's why I take it. And that's exactly what I do. And so that's what I do with, with um, clients around, you know, training. So training session adaptation. If I, if I write a training, program for someone and we're trying to grow so i want muscle mass or we're trying to get lean whatever it might be i'll do that session with that client and then i'll test their testosterone and their cortisol and alpha alpha amylase is a, a sympathetic nervous system surrogate that basically takes the whole hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis out of the equation so I, as far as i know i'm the only guy in australia doing it i don't know anyone else's actually i know i'm the only one doing it because i invented the testing so and validated in research so and the other one to look at is an immunoglobulin iga which is a, an acute phase reaction actant for the immune system so what we can do I mean, it's probably another podcast but i can predict when you're going to get sick wow yeah so upper respiratory tract infections and things like that so i look at a, a shift in the ratio of iga to amylase so alpha amylase is non-dependent of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis so it's more of a marker of physiological stress than psychological stress okay which is why i talk about cortisol being a blunt hormone because it's dependent on everything right what i just ate for lunch will spike my cortisol right so whereas amylase doesn't it's solid but if i do a really heavy weight session i'll see a shift in it and so that's how i differentiate those type of markers and that's where you should be at you know and you know in the world it's my little rant but if People pay a lot of money for personal training and comp prep and that sort of stuff. Careful what you, you know, make sure you're getting value. Would be my comment. Yeah. So if someone wants to get in contact with you, it's at, at the, the Dr. Dr. Mac, Mac, man. One of the best uh, social media Instagram <laughs> profiles you'll find. You don't have a website though, do it's you? It's quality, not quantity, man. No, there's no websites. Yeah. Just... You love a good DM? <laughs> yeah. People contact love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to think to them what them? a DM was, but yeah. yes, I, I, yeah, they yeah. love a DM. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. All right, man. Perfect. Well, um, that's testosterone 101. I'd like to say 1001 because. I'm going straight to Google, look some words up right now. Mate, that was unreal. I enjoyed it. I shouldn't take the piss out of it. That was really good. Well, we do. Look, we kind of got to do the deep dive every now and then, right? And there's an audience and for mate, it. And, mate, they love so, it. You know. you know, people go, I didn't get that. But a lot of people go, I love it. So, mm. Well, hopefully it helps. Thanks. Get your cocoa powder in. Yeah, I'm going home for hot chocolate tonight. Not chocolate, hey. No, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. I was having a crack. Anyway, All everyone right. enjoy. That's it from Body Science HQ. See you later. See ya.